0: If you'd like to follow along this morning in our study, you can turn to Galatians chapter 3, and we'll just be looking at three, four verses, verses 6 through 9. I'd like to read those and comment on them this morning. Galatians chapter 3, and verses 6 through 9. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I struggle to believe God. Now, I know that sounds odd for a pastor. You say, that's my pastor just said that. I struggle to believe God. And you do too. I'm not speaking in the intellectual, theoretical, doctrinal sense, because I'll hold up God's Word and say, I believe everything in it. I'm not struggling when it comes to our creed or my confession of faith or to say to you, I believe in God, I believe His Word. I believe all of those things. But I, I struggle to believe practically, functionally. And I am convinced that when I falter along the way in my Christian walk and when you falter a- along the way in your Christian walk, and you're discouraged and depressed and disobedient and fearful, which all of us become, it comes down to this. There's something you're not believing about God. You may say in your mind, I know that's true, but practically and functionally, you're not believing. You start to ask questions. God, are you there? (laughs) Have you done that? Do you care? Do you hear my prayer? Do you know that I'm, I'm struggling right now? Do you have an answer for us? Are you going to provide? We have a lot of those questions. You may not say those out loud. A lot of the things we just, we're thinking inside. We're thinking, Lord, where are you? I don't understand. And I think what what addresses this, the title of the message this morning is Faith Alone, Never Alone. I know that sounds like a contradiction. <laughs> a seeming contradiction. But there are so many seeming contradictions in the Christian life. Faith alone. We believe that. Never alone. It's what I... Struggle to believe is when I cannot see it. I'm just not seeing it, or I'm not feeling it. I'm trying to do the math, and it's not adding up. I don't understand what the Lord's doing, what the Lord's allowing. How could he do this? What good can come out of this? Now, I know you say good is going, God's working good in all things. I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. And it is hard for me to exercise a life of faith. The Christian life is not an easy life. I think sometimes we we sell it as that. If you just trust Jesus as your Savior, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. Do you ever think about this? That the day you became a Christian, you entered a war. Before you were a Christian, Satan really didn't have to worry about you. He had you. But the day you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are in conflict with Satan, you are in conflict with the world, and you are in conflict with your flesh. And living the Christian life is not an easy life. It is a spiritual warfare. And I'd love to think that you kind of graduate at a certain point, you know, after four years or 10 years or 15 or 20 years of Christianity and reading your Bible, that now you just kind of are, life is easy. (laughs) And it's never going to ease up that warfare until we stand in his presence and are like him in perfection in heaven. The war does not end. And so we walk by faith. This is from Genesis to Revelation. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We're justified by faith. Alone. And you see, that that word alone complicates it. Because I'd like to say, Lord, can you add something else just a little bit? (laughs) Like, I'm all into faith and believing and everything else, but how about just a little bit of sight a little bit of confirmation, a little bit of evidence, and not have to be by faith. Faith is, is believing something you can't see or feel or calculate, but you trust in what God has said, who He is, what He has done, and what He has called you to do. And you and I are no different i'm standing up here you're sitting out there i'm a pastor you may not be called into vocational ministry but we're still flesh and blood we're still human we still struggle with believing nodding in assent to a doctrinal statement is pretty easy but believing daily in your life is not faith alone It is the, I think, distinction of authentic Christianity, faith alone, and it was the message of the Reformation that we'll celebrate here in 2017 on Halloween, the day that the Reformation began, is to battle for this faith alone, sola fide in Latin. You've probably heard that before. It is faith plus nothing. It is faith alone, grace alone, Jesus alone. It is not your works that is not adding anything else to that. All religions have faith. You say, well, our church has faith. Everyone has faith. Atheists have faith. Did you think about that? An atheist has a God, and the God is me. <laughs> Everyone believes something. Everyone has a faith in something. What is unique for us is we have faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, as Lord. We have faith in God. And and, and a lot of religions, too, will say, well, I, I have faith in that, too. A lot of the variant religions that I feel are probably even more dangerous than absolute atheism or say some foreign dark jungle religion would be the fact when you have a pure gospel that is altered just a little bit. Just a little bit. Or something added to it. And we are famous for wanting to help God out. We want to add to it. So and, and usually because we want to control something. <laughs> I just want to control. I want to have a little bit of control. It doesn't work that way. We all have faith. He says, faith alone. Faith alone saves us. Jesus Christ, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life is how we're saved. And this is how we live. I've been speaking the last few weeks about how that we, we often will shift gears. I know that I trust in Jesus completely for my salvation and eternal life. I prayed the prayer, Lord, come into my heart and save me. But then when we get into the Christian life, we live a totally, um, uh, it's a hybrid model. I have faith here, but I'm just going to kind of work it out. And it it's not a total dependence upon Christ, and it is not by faith alone. The same way you became a Christian is the same way you continue as a Christian. And so, this is how it works. That salvation and grace is all of God. Grace is when God showers upon you what you don't deserve. You know, it's interesting how with Abraham, and you go back to chapter 12, of Genesis. Why did God bless Abraham? You say, well, because he was the father of of the Jews. No, not yet. (laughs) There wasn't one human reason why God said this to Abraham, look at the stars and so will your descendants be. You are the father of faith. I'm going to bless you. What reason did God have to pour out his blessing on Abraham. You can't find one. He chose to. And that's the same way God saved you. It wasn't because he looked down. and Boy, that's a nice looking young man. Nice looking young woman. Boy, you've done a great job. You know what? I'm going I'm to shower my grace upon you. No. And that's the way grace works. We are so undeserving of His goodness. God pours out His goodness on, on those of us most undeserving. And faith is simply the open arms of receiving. It's receiving. Faith is, is, is taking the grace of God. You say, well, what about, what about the law? We've been talking, you know, we read all through the Old Testament. We read laws. We see the Ten Commandments. We read about Moses. What is, if you're talking about faith alone, grace alone, at some place we have to have some, some structure here. Otherwise, we're going to have chaos. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's why we want to control things. What's the purpose of the law? In Galatians chapter 3, at the end end of this, uh, verses 24 and 25, it says, So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So the purpose of the law, as I see it, of the Scripture, one is exposing the fact you're a sinner. Now, for most of us, it doesn't take long to figure that one out. And secondly, the law points us, leads us, moves us, directs us to Christ who is the solution. It's kind of like you're driving through a small town in the mountains and you haven't been there before and you're not paying attention and you're not trying to break the law, but all of a sudden the blue lights are (laughs) right behind you. You say, officer, I had no idea. I I didn't see that. Well, are you guilty or innocent? Well, I mean say well you should have known well the law will kind of bring the the point to bear that i've i've done something wrong you go to the and usually not that i have any experience in this by the way but uh <laughs> you go to the court in that small little town and the fine isn't ten dollars you know it will be two hundred three hundred dollars i don't even live here i'm not coming back <laughs> So, you can tell it did happen to me once, but uh, at least. But uh, you go in there and say the judge says, uh, you know what? You're guilty. You broke the law. We caught you. Have it on the radar. Got pictures. I got pictures all over town now taken of people doing things. You know, the evidence is there. What do you say? But I'm going to wipe it off. No charges. That's grace. That's grace. And in a much larger sense, is what God has done. The law has come to expose the fact, if you didn't already know it, you have sinned, and there is no hope for eternal life. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. The law reveals that. And it also points you to the fact that there is no other way except God gives you the wonderful free gift of His Son, Jesus. That's Grace. But that same grace that saved you is the same grace that will keep you and the same grace that will take you on in your Christian life. And I don't really think, because even even our children at an early age can understand, I'm a sinner. There's nothing I can do to save myself. I need to invite Jesus into my life and to be my Savior, to know I'm going to heaven. Now, you know, there is nothing more wonderful for a parent than to really feel your kids get that. You know, and uh, I think it's the most important decision all of life is that you you trust Christ as Savior, and to me that that part it's it's difficult the fact to sometimes for in our, in our stubbornness to admit we're sinners and to call upon Christ, but but once you become a Christian, then now becomes the way of life is by grace through faith, and this is not an easy thing because your faith from this point forward, is going to be tested and tested and tested. But it is the same operation, grace through faith. It is not, I'm just going to work it out. I'm just going to, to try as hard as I can to live for God and to please God. And, and I, to be honest with you, I've been around so many Christians like that. They just strain and they work and they strive and they, and, and they, they have no joy. Because they don't understand God's grace. And they have moved into a works-based Christian living. So, faith is not a New Testament concept. In other words, this isn't, well, the Old Testament is law, and the New Testament is faith. And I think a lot of people think that. The Old Testament is faith, too. Because Abraham was before Moses who brought the law, right? And so... We go back to Genesis chapter 12 and on through chapter 15, and, and we, we read these texts that Abraham is justified by faith. He is the father of faith. God is pleased with faith. So the law came later, and all the law did, is, as I mentioned, exposes the fact you are a sinner and points you to the need that the only way to resolve your sin is Christ. But from the very beginning, it has been by faith. Now, the Jews, the Judaizers, and, and we're kind of in a, in a context, if you've been with us the last few weeks, of, of Paul exposing the error of the Judaizers. These were Jews that were saying, you know, but you've got to first become a Jew and keep the law, and, and they're trying to form a, a, a whole new idea of Christianity. Christianity. And the Jews saw Abraham as their father. So this is our father, Abraham. Do you remember the uh, song, Father Abraham Had Many Sons? <laughs> we won't do it this morning. <laughs> Paul, might, <laughs> Paul might be a little upset with me with that one. And, uh, but they saw Abraham as our father. But here, here's the interesting thing. They saw him as their father, as ethnic Jews, so they became very much uh, particular about the Gentile. They called Gentile dogs, heathen. Um, anybody that was a non-Jew was, they're not the children of Abraham. So they they saw it in an ethnic way. But we see from this passage we read today that Abraham is the father in regard to faith for all nations, for all people, not, not ethnic Jews and not just uh, religious Jews, but for all people. So Abraham is much, has much more of an effect. So we understand in this sense that we are saved by faith alone. Can't add anything. This is how we live the Christian life, by faith alone. They're not extras that go with that. What do I mean when I say never alone? Faith alone, but never alone. It is always accompanied with good works or fruit or evidence or action. James 2.17 says faith without action or faith without works is dead, being alone. So it's impossible to have a genuine, real faith and it not show up. People have asked me before, how do works play into this? Are you saying that God doesn't care about works? No, God cares about works, but works don't save you. Works are the result of a genuine faith. When you really believe something, you're going to live it out. And so, works follow faith. Faith does not follow works. You say, "Well, is there the big difference?" There's a bit, that's all the difference. Faith is never alone. A genuine faith accompanies it has fruit. We look at the life of Abraham. He is called in verse 9 of what we read through verse 6 through 9. He is called the man of faith. Now, Abraham, and I'm so glad he wasn't a perfect man. (laughs) Because whenever you you read something and they look perfect, I have a really hard time identifying with that. (laughs) And so, God gives this promise to Abraham. And he is going to fulfill it. But along the way, we're going to see Abraham in his whole life a struggle with really believing. I said early on in, in this message, I struggle with believing. We're going to see three instances where Abram struggled with believing. And they're different. And my prayer is this morning, because I can identify with all three of them. I can say, yep, yep, yep. My prayer is that you can identify in your own life the struggle with believing God through the test of your faith and come to see that what God has said, he has proven over and over again that he is faithful. The first test of faith we find in Genesis 12, the first few verses. And the Lord said to to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse all the peoples on the earth who will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord told him. Now, Abram, Abraham, was far away from this promised land. And God said, I want you to get up, and I want you to go. We think, well, you just, you just do that. But there are many times that, that you, God's Word, as you read God's Word, and His Spirit is working in you, you know you need to do something, and it is not going to be easy. He calls you to obedience, and it, and it eats at you. You know, there's something I need to do that's right to do, and I know it's right to do, but how am I going to do it? I, I wasn't there with Abraham. I don't know all the things that are going through his mind, but, but picking up your family and moving everyone to a place you've never been before, to a different language and culture and place and foods, not understanding how you're going to provide for things, there are a lot of questions. And this is the, what I see one of the big tests for, for Abraham is that, that God has said, I want you to obey me in this and trust me in this. And, and God does not give anything visible to guarantee it except his word. That's all he has. And it'd be nice to say, well, you know, the, on, after the first day of traveling, we stopped and, and, and then all of a sudden there was just a, Uh, all of the groceries we need for the trip, and the next day we see this, and the next day we see this. Uh, It's usually not that way. You're acting on what you know God wants you to do as he stated just simply in his word for you to follow him and to obey him. The spirit of conviction working in you, the call of obedience to step out in faith, the questions and concerns that run through your mind, and I wonder even today for, for many of us what what might God be working in you now as you read his word, as you pray, that he wants you to do. He wants you to obey him, he wants you to do something. And the reason you're not just doing it is because it's hard. <laughs> it's it's there are a lot of uncertainties, there's a lot of risk that goes with this. But this is not abnormal Christianity. This is normal Christianity. Normal Christianity is living by faith with all you have as a guarantee is God and His Word. Believe it and follow it. So for a lot of us, as I was saying, intellectually I believe, I believe in God, I believe His Word, this is the Bible, it's all truth, but when God calls me to obedience, yeah, but... (laughs) I'm really not sure about this. I kind of titled that, Going Not Knowing. Obeying God when he calls you to do something. And I really believe this is the way your life changes and becomes more like Christ. You enter into the Christian life. You're a young person, teenager. You read his word, and all of a sudden you go, Ouch, God's really confronting something in my life. He's convicted me about this. I need to obey and respond. I don't really want to, or I don't really know how that's going to go. And so you struggle. You're struggling with this. The Holy Spirit's working on you to obey what you know you need to be doing. And then in time, you say, Lord, yes, I'm going to obey. And you step out in faith. It's like you're, you're kind of stepping out into everything. I'm going to trust that the Lord is going to be faithful. And every time you do that, God causes you to grow as a believer, stronger faith, greater confidence in Christ, and your walk becomes a light, just like Abraham was a light for all of those that followed him. Your life becomes a pattern of trust and dependence upon the Lord. And I wish I could say that, well, you know, back in 19-whatever, we... Uh, I stepped out in faith and did that and so I got that one done. Check. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't work that way because God is calling you to obedience all life long. He confronts you with his word, he calls you to obedience. You have to have your faith tested, you exercise that, you follow him, it's not easy. You're lots of questions. Lord, are you there? Are you really going with me? <laughs> are you really gonna provide? Is there really such a place? <laughs> All life long, we have that working through us. But the second test that I want to mention about Abraham is, I think, even harder. And that is waiting. Uh, most of us like to just go do something, you know. Okay, he says just let's go do it. Okay, you can just make up your mind, just go do it. But to wait and to wait and to wait and to wait. you got to realize that when God made the promise to Abraham... He said, I'm going to cause your descendants to be like the stars, as many as the stars of the heaven. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? I mean, you think, wow. But the problem is, Abraham is 75 years old. He's 75 years old. And his wife is 10 years younger. So he's thinking, well, the Lord better do something quickly. (laughs) And I, I actually, I really like it when God does stuff quickly. <laughs> you know, you have a need, you pray about it, God just answers like that. But that's not really faith. Think about it, if everything you prayed about, God just answered real quickly. But okay, 75, 76, 77, 70, getting older. And even at the time when God is promising this again, as he's getting older, he, he said, why don't you uh, do this through Eleazar, my servant? And, and in that day, often inheritances would go could go to your chief servant. So he kind of suggests to God, "I can help you out with a plan here because it doesn't look like your plan is really working." So Genesis fifteen. Verses 1 through 6 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. So God was pleased by his faith. Now, you say, well, test is done. Abraham believed. But we don't have a perfect faith. We have a perfect God and perfect grace, but we don't have a perfect faith. Even the guy that says, Lord, I believe, is going to struggle along the way. So I don't know back in your life when you've had those spiritual high moments, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then, you know what? You falter along the way. Every one of us do that, because our faith is not perfect. Our faith is not perfect. We know this, that from the time that God makes this promise to Abraham, he's 75 years of age, his wife is 65, he mentions Eleazar, and as time time is going by, his wife actually comes up with a great idea that why don't you have a relationship with my servant, Hagar, and have a son through her? Because then that can still be our family. wasn't such a great idea. (laughs) And if you follow through history, uh, a lot of the problems we have in the Middle East today are, are a result of that decision. And you start to think about how that, that comment, that, that faltering is like us. In Genesis 16, it says, Sarah, Abram's, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Notice how she's kind of blaming God now. Here, here's what we can do. When God's not, it doesn't seem like God hears. He's not answering. He's not doing things. And we're waiting, 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 waiting. We start getting mad at God and blaming him. Where is he? What is he doing? Why isn't he answering? From the time that this promise was made to him to the time that Isaac was born, the promise fulfilled was 25 years. 25 years. You know, for us, 25 minutes is a long time. 25 days, 25 years. 25 years. And, and every day and every month that went by, it became more impossible. And so she says, go sleep with my slave. I'll build my family through her. Abraham agreed. So after Abraham had been living in, the, in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Ishmael. So when God doesn't seem like He's hearing, like He's caring, like He's there, like He's doing anything, we don't like to wait. So we're going to help Him out. One is we we and we mess it up. We get in there. I'm 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 going to fix this. I'm going to help God out. Messes it up, or we get angry with Him, frustrated with Him, or even to the point of sarcasm. Because even after 14 years, the Lord comes back again and says. I'm going to give you a son. And, and Abraham said, I have a son. Ishmael, let Ishmael live before you. I've already resolved this. I've already figured this out. It's not the Lord's plan. So I'm going to give you a son. And it says that, that Abraham laughed in unbelief to himself. He was, he was praying and, he, and he's laughing to himself. Well, you think the Lord hears that? And his wife, Sarah, also laughed. So guess what their son's name is? (laughs) Isaac means laughter. That's their son, laughter. And I think that personally, this is much harder for me than the obedience part. In other words, if God, hey, just go do something, okay? I'm I'm good at that. I'm going to go do something. See it? It's going to be tough. We're going to go obey God. We're going to follow God. But to sit and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, then all the questions start coming into your mind. Where are you? How do you care? What are you doing, God? Are you? Gonna, and, and, and then you want to try to help him out. Have you struggled that way? I wish I could say I've only struggled once <laughs> like that. Remember this, that God is doing more than you could possibly realize. Every year that goes by, the drama increases, the impossibility increases, the opportunity for God's glory and His grace increases, and the opportunity for your personal growth increases. Sarah was sharing a my daughter was sharing a song with me. She heard that one of the phrases is falling apart or falling into place. We think our lives are falling apart. and God's point of view, they're falling into place. So the first test is go obey. When, when it doesn't make sense, it doesn't add up, it doesn't calculate, you don't see how you're going to be provided for, I want you to obey me, to take faith. The second one is to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And still believe, and wait and wait and wait. The third I have described as the death of a dream, which may be the most difficult. After all this happens, now Isaac is a young man a boy. He's a boy, and he and and verse uh, chapter twenty two of Genesis it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain, I will show you. Now we can read through that, and it's a story. But you try to even picture yourself in that spot? Not only does Isaac represent all of the promises of God, all of his future, everything he's been waiting 25 years for and beyond. Not only is is that really the promise fulfilled for him, he's asking him to kill his son, which that doesn't add up either. I've often thought, how can God command you to do something that's not right? (laughs) Doesn't make sense. Doesn't add up. I can't figure this one out. But it said, early in the morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, took him two servants and his son Isaac, and he went to the mountain. You know, when I, I think of that, I think it's probably the most difficult thing. And we know the story that he goes and he, he raises his knife to, to offer his son as a sacrifice. And the angel of the Lord stops him. And he says, and he says now I know that you believe. All through his life, all through Abraham's life, his faith is being tested. These are just three instances. All through your life, you're going to have your faith tested. And it is going to be hard to believe. Because you come back to this fact, God gives you what you need to believe, and that is his word. In Romans ten seventeen it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If I were to define faith, I would say faith is taking God at His Word. It is, it is simply taking God at His Word. And so when God reveals something to you for you to follow, you obey. You follow Him whether it's obedience, whether it's waiting, whether it's the death of your dream, something you planned on, something you hoped for, something you have all your life invested in, where where everything is there and God seems to take it away, it doesn't make any sense at all, is to still trust Him. Each of these demand faith, to exercise faith, to take God at His word. So this, this is Abraham's... Real testimony, his work of showing real faith. Faith works faith is it's faith alone, but it is not alone. it is accompanied with works. and in the second way is that it is not alone is that it extends to every generation when he says in verses eight and nine scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham all nations will be blessed through you so those who rely on faith are blessed through abraham the man of faith so this gospel god announces with abraham this is the way this is the way we live this is like abraham was tested we will be tested and it is by faith that we live so as we conclude this morning we're reminded that the just shall live by faith. It's how you're saved. It's how you grow. We also know the fact that, that if you have faith, it will be tested. It will be tested your whole life long. And the question to ask would be, how am I right today being tested? How, how is God testing my life? Is it obedience? Is it waiting? Is it surrendering up something that, that I'm holding on to as my own dream? And how will I respond? to that. My prayer is this, that while we believe, we may say we believe everything, that belief is going to be tested. And one of the, one of the things that encourages me greatly is when I read stories like Abraham, I think, you know what? It hasn't changed. God, God proved Himself true there. And He has proven Himself true all through human history. That that same word He will fulfill. So your present struggle to obey something hard or to wait longer or to see a vision, dream, die is nothing different. And God will provide His grace in His time for your good and for His glory. It's the way we live. And that's what Paul is trying to get these believers back to. We're not just saved by faith, we live by faith alone, and faith is never alone. Let's bow together as we pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your words that you speak into our lives. We thank you for the faithfulness of continuing to communicate them to us. And we pray this morning that for each person who struggles with believing when it's hard to believe through present crisis, present circumstance, that you would give them confidence in your word and assurance by the testimony that we see this morning in the life of Abraham. And Lord, I pray that we would be living examples of people who believe. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.